0: Sure.
1: Welcome to another installment of Show To Be With Mike G, the show of life, the show of Santa Rosa, California fashion, cocktail competitions, USBG Austin, and so much more. Today's guest, the president of USBG Austin and also assistant general manager at Midnight Cowboy here in Austin, Texas, Ms. Alexis Mijares. She formerly is of the Roosevelt Room. She's taking the cocktail world by storm and competing all the time. At a very young age of 24, she's managed to accomplish great things already. It's a great chat getting to see how her journey has led her here to the cocktail industry in Austin, Texas. It's an interesting, interesting tale. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this great chat with Alexis Mijares.
0: About the, the press so much for me because I think if it was I would be like seeking that out more. Yeah. Um it's definitely more so about the community. You know, like I kind of fell into the cocktail world um at this point in my life where I was kind of going through some like really tough stuff. Yeah. And uh finding like a bar family and finding like that at the Roosevelt room was really helpful getting through that time. Yeah. Um, and it was just as i continued to grow and saw all these like really crazy relationships people had and how close everyone was i wanted to be a part of that so i just kept kind of looking for ways to kind of like squeeze my way in yeah. <laughs> Makes was, sense yeah so it's very much so a community thing it's why i'm you know so passionate about the usbg and and i think that what's really unique about the beverage community is it's all about relationships you yeah. know and you have to be really mindful of Of building those relationships and then you start doing like competitions and like you make friends from like all over the country who you maybe don't see all the time, but they become some of the like most supportive people in your like circles. Yeah. And you can call on them and they'll connect you with someone else if they're not available. It is, it's a great network. It's it's crazy. It's people, yeah. You know, it's crazy how how special our community can get with each other. You oh, know? they're
1: special, all right. <laughs> you
0: know, you know. I think that, like, but there is there's this uniqueness of the bond that gets created in, like, friendships through different programs. You know, you've got, like, Camp Runamuck and King Camp too, and those help develop friendships. And then you go to, like, regional conferences with USBG and mm. different competitions that, like, you're in these, like, high-pressure environments, but you're surrounded by other people who, like, feel that just as hard as you. Right. And... There's it's very rare that you have anyone in those competitions it's really like oh i'm here for me. It's always like what can i do to help you? Like what oh you need this, someone's missing this, they're the first person to bring it cuz it's never at least for me it's never about being better than anyone else. Right. It's about being better than myself.
1: Challenge. That's I mean that's a great reason to do it, to be better, learn more, you know. Oh yeah. I think yeah. it's the best pursuit that any of us can do, be inquisitive and keep kind of expanding our mind.
0: Totally. And that like with world class that's been so insane, because that's what they really market the competition around, which is mm. why it really attracted me is um I had this really great conversation with uh Tyson Bueller and Andy Seymour when they came into town to do like their seminar, yeah, and it was kind of at a different point where I was taking a small break. you know, i had just left the Roosevelt room and was having some stuff going on with my family and was just feeling a little burnt out and like needed to take a step back mm. and was trying to figure out where that left me because my identity was so much the Roosevelt room that I was trying to figure out where my identity now became Alexis, the bartender, not Alexis, the bartender at the Roosevelt room.
1: All right. Kind Um, of on your own two feet for once. Yes, totally.
0: You know, totally. And uh, so we had this great conversation where they were just told me that world class is about pushing yourself and Mm. figuring out what you're capable of and creative boundaries and you really everything's so left left to interpretation with world class they give you very few rules yeah and they do that on purpose because they want to see how how you take those and what you do with that and like you know everyone is so wildly different too um so it's been this really cool process of like seeing actually how strong i am Mm. and how much uh all this like research goes in and like it just like I'm already like a 10 times better bartender than I was when it's I started crazy this what process. We, we do under
1: pressure, right? Yes. Kind of academic pressure sometimes too. But you you mentioned this piece about community and I had a conversation just a few days ago actually. Do you catch people running their mouths sometimes about brands and things?
0: Um, yes. I mean, yes and no. I think most people who are smart about it know When is the appropriate time, and who the appropriate people for for their friendship groups are to Mm. to say those things? Because I think that's sometimes the other side of community is you have to be mindful that at all times you should be keeping relationships. Maybe if you don't always agree with someone or agree with a brand, Um, but you see it, you know, and it once something's out, it doesn't stay secret for long. Yeah, not with so much alcohol involved. That's right.
1: It's, well, it's a, it's a very risky situation in a sense, right? Because you, you want to be transparent and you want to be honest and forthcoming. At the same time, alcohol has this beautiful gift of allowing you to uh, be lubricated yes. and a little bit too <laughs> honest, you know? So it, it's one of those things where for you, when do you think about that balance between keeping your cool and then drinking and letting loose a bit? Is it a difficult balance to strike for you?
0: For me, not so much. Um, I'm lucky to be like fairly mindful when yeah. um, I'm navigating things, which is how it's been kind of easy for me to kind of have this snowball year of like continuing to grow because um, yeah. I'm, you know, mindful every time I'm meeting someone of my like, giving the best impression of myself? You know, staying rather neutral, especially as moving up in USBG and now taking over like as president.
1: Yeah, I- youngest I president to- ever. I might, I might say.
0: Uh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. that's.
1: Pre- I mean, I think about the previous presidents, and you know, they they're more your senior. Absolutely. Oh, for sure.
0: Yeah. No, and and, and it is kind of silly because you know I'm I'm definitely like the young, one of the younger crew, kind of the new generation of yeah. the cocktails that is coming up, and um, it's a lot of responsibility to like, to protect this market, you know, yeah. and and I'm lucky to like be able to have such good relationships with people where they're really rooting for me, but they're also there to kind of like a helping hand if sure. I need it which is awesome um, but yeah so but that's definitely something I try to be mindful of you know I am you can only have so much maturity as you get older you know yeah. in life experience so I do try to be really mindful of staying very neutral
1: yeah, um, diplomatic
0: diplomatic
1: <laughs> well now you're the president you know president pro tem or whatever they're yeah. calling it right interim now president. interim president until I guess there's an election in which people probably will just dis- discern or they'll determine the same thing
0: yeah you know? um you know it in in most uh history of usbG Austin at least yeah. uh, the president's never really ran against anyone it's usually it's it's a really big responsibility to take on sure. so where a lot of people maybe like have opinions on how things should be going um most of them are not willing to put in all the time and effort and it is it's a lot of time and effort um I actually secretary the position i was in was a little bit more time and effort than what president is. interesting you, you kind of are more you take shaking hands
1: kissing babies Kind <laughs> of, yeah
0: you know but um i think it, it's a matter of who the president is also and yeah. how how they take that responsibility on um you ready for it and i think so yeah i'm taking on a lot i i um definitely have not said no to anything and the past few months, which biggest is,
1: lesson you'll ever learn,
0: <laughs> which is creating um, an interesting challenge. But I, I, tr- I love this industry, yeah. you know, and anything I can do to kind of be an ally to its growth and the Austin market's growth because I think we kind of we got a little sleepy for a while, you know, yeah, um, and we're now kind of picking back up into being a market that people are looking at again,
1: yeah. Got Some power, got some spending and economic uh, capacity. Like that's one of the things, right? As Austin has a lot of spending power. If yeah. You think about it. But rallying us together around good causes and good products, even though that may be subjective, I mean, you're at the center of that in a sense.
0: Yeah. And you know, and that's where, so USBG and Austin, I think where our biggest challenge is, in Austin is a premier market. When you're looking at a brand side mm-hmm. and looking at the relationships that, Brand partners have in Austin. There's not as much of a need to call on USBG um, in smaller markets or less developed markets. Those brands really require USBG to be that bridge.
1: I see. Okay.
0: That's not so much the case in Austin. Mm.
1: It's like kind of decentralized here. Yeah. Everybody knows kind of somebody. Is Everyone
0: anything? knows somebody. There's always money to be spent. Yeah. You know, um, USBG members here. They're not interested in a brand coming to me and going, "Let's throw a happy hour," because that brand ambassador probably on their own time is already picking up the bill mm-hmm. 9 out of 10 times and we live in a city where a lot of brand ambassadors like to live you mm-hmm. know so when they're not out traveling they're back here so we get a lot of love in that regard so it's finding more of the like substance to help them bridge and really just being able to help them execute events yeah um and we're not always the first person they call you know a lot of times they can put an event on on their own, but they know that when they do call on us, we're going to make sure that event happens. Like the mob. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Damn well. They better believe you guys will know about it if it happens in your town.
0: Well, yes. Um. And you know, and there's things too where sometimes we want to be supportive of an event, but we're partnered with another brand that day. Yeah. And we unfortunately have to say, you know, we wish you the best success in that event, but we can't, we can't broadcast it for you. right? Um, and. You know, m- most of the time people are pretty understanding of that, but then other times they're like, but why? And I'm like, when we're, you know, we're a donation uh, based charitable organization. And when a brand is paying us a certain amount of money to, you know, create a successful event for them, we can't have a competitive event yeah. showing well, up. Well, makes sense. I think yeah.
1: these are things people will learn. So there's something in what limited research I can do about people sometimes, you know. I stumbled upon a city that my grandparents lived in. I visited. A lot when I was a kid, known as Santa Rosa, kind of California.
0: Santa Rosa, California. Yeah, I
1: visited a whole lot when I was a kid. Really? Actually. Okay. And if I understand correctly, this story begins in Santa Rosa. Is that fair, or California in general? Um,
0: you know, I wouldn't say like not not really. My story doesn't quite begin in California. I was in a whole different world there. Yeah. um But the departure from california was certainly where my story started gotcha is um,
1: in terms of the industry itself
0: and the industry itself but, yeah. but
1: early on where where were what part of the states were you from
0: oh i'm sorry yes no i'm i'm born and raised in santa rosa okay california. cool yeah, yeah so i thought. was born and raised uh spent a majority up until i was about 20 um in in northern california
1: what how do you feel about northern california now i love it still
0: i love it of course it, it, Leaving leaving Northern California was never like a, I hate it here. It was just, I knew it wasn't for meant forever. Yeah. It wasn't where I was supposed to be forever. Uh, and I love visiting. I try to go back two or three times a year. Mm. You know, there's absolutely nothing terrible about being from wine country.
1: <laughs> no shit. Yeah, you know? and the weather is just... It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Stuff.
0: And especially Santa Rosa. I mean, everything is 25 minutes away. Yeah. The beach is 25 minutes. The river is 25 minutes. The Redwood Forest. San Francisco's 35 minutes away. You yeah. know, you have access to everything.
1: And Would you consider it kind of a small town? Because it's been so long since I've been there. I was just a little kid. Is it a small town or is it... So a big it's a small
0: town, yeah, it's a big small town so what's weird about Santa Rosa is it's the largest city north of San Francisco oh, it is. in California okay
1: no ca- okay, okay,
0: but it's so quiet it's mm. a lot of you know retirees and it's a lot of farming like you know people think coming from California you know they they there's often assumptions yeah, right they think everyone's from l a or they grew up you know Got a suntan. and you yeah. know and I'm like or you're on the beach all the time, right like you don't swim in the beaches where I'm from. You know, yeah. they're cold and I mean some people do. I do um but I come from like a farm town. You know, Santa Rosa's very much it's a huge farming community. Yeah. And Were you
1: involved in in that stuff at all when you were No. Remember? Well,
0: my grandma is love, she had like a little farm yeah. in the back of her house. My my mom's one of nine, so oh, wow. I think my grandma kind of Turn to gardening and stuff as a means to be able to feed all the children. Not, bad, not a bad plan. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and like we had chickens and stuff, but it was never like a farm. going and go work the farm, but that's
1: still like that. cool, though. You guys have chickens, maybe a little small garden. Yeah,
0: it was about half an acre, which is is fairly decent size, that's and you know, good. growing all kinds of cool stuff. And that was definitely something I really loved doing with my grandma was going out to the gardens with her and. Going to the chicken coops and stuff, you know, that was something she really loved. Yeah, you know, something we would kind of do together. Do you have any siblings? I do. I have uh, three brothers, and I have a stepsister. Damn. Yeah.
1: Older, or younger brothers. All younger. Oh, so, so are you the oldest? I'm the oldest. Oh. Okay,
0: yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. It's kind of funny because I have two brothers on my mom's side, and then I have a brother and a stepsister on my dad's side. Mm. And on my mom's side, me and my brothers are all almost a decade apart. So. Oh my
1: gosh, it's crazy.
0: <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I have a brother who is uh 15 and then i have a five-year-old brother
1: you can impart so much wisdom this is one of these be- <laughs> the dynamic is naturally set for you to be like well i'm the wise one right? guys just <laughs> listen to me a little bit
0: yeah i was definitely like the early one you know my, my parents had me very very young yeah. uh and then kind of you know went from there uh my brother on my dad's side uh will be 17 this year as right. well as my stepsister so they're in in school together
1: what kind of stuff so what industries was your mom also into agriculture and farming or she did some other stuff? No, my mom
0: um, My mom is in travel. She's in tourism. Oh, okay. Yeah, so oh, cool. kind of a different level of hospitality. Yeah. Um, Still
1: a connection with the <coughs> land, oddly enough, though. Yes. Right?
0: Very much so, yeah. She um, runs a company called Windigo USA. They were originally out of Canada, mm-hmm. um, opened a U.S. sector, and she worked for a couple different companies prior to that. But they do adventure tourism for oh, Europeans cool. in U.S. So it's not it's not a lot of hotels tours. It's mostly taking them to like national parks and yeah. camping adventure tours and things like that. So that was something I've had access to my whole life, which is amazing. I've been able to go and do some of the coolest things. Um, well,
1: so beautiful. I mean, to have an expert say, well, you're gonna just have to go with me. Yeah, <laughs> you're, we're gonna have to go to the redwoods, right? Right.
0: No, totally. And 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 what was great about my upbringing too is there's so much culture, and that's definitely been a big definition of who i am you know like that Um,
1: your that your family was open to things or was open super
0: you know all my mom's tour leaders over the last 25 years are from all over the world you know they speak the languages of uh they're coming from countries speaking the languages of who's coming on these tours because they're not always english speaking tours so my whole life i've been surrounded by people from all over the globe it's amazing and it is amazing my mom our home was very open so we were all there was always someone on the couch and we had bunk beds in my brother's room and someone was on the bunk bed and someone might have a tent in the front of the house and then in the backyard you know but i mean
1: this is the essence of hospitality oh yeah 100 my mom
0: is like the definition of hospitality she just she loves to take care of people and she does it in a really unique way but she is The kind of person no one ever has anything bad to say about. Yeah. Because she's just she just cares and she'll take care of you and she'll open her home to you. Um, And it's amazing.
1: Did you think having such like a really great and shining example to follow in some kinds of footsteps do you feel like you embrace that same mindset of being open to everybody. Absolutely. Letting them crash.
0: I mean, it it really, it was how I was introduced to the world. So it's hard not to be, you know, my mom very much so introduced me to, to be open to people and to be open to hearing people's stories and the differences. And when we travel and traveling growing up, that's how we were always exposed. It was, Mm -hmm. what are the locals doing? Let's go eat. You know, it was, we were never far apart from them, Yeah, you know? And so, I've had that like they helped raise me. You know, my mom, she was 18 when she had me and she started working at a company at the time called Sun Trek and she was first just their receptionist. While I was very young and ended up working her way into being the GM of the company. Yeah. And I grew up in helping the the tour guides wash their cars and I charged them like a dollar, right. you know, <laughs> and and running around and they they helped her take care of me you know That's amazing and babysitting me if she was working late my mom is the hardest working woman you'll really ever come across yeah and well sometimes that was challenging too because i had all these relationships with other people sometimes i didn't get that opportunity with my mom because she was so passionate about her job and as i get older you know you realize it's about giving me the le- best life possible absolutely um but it but it was great because I literally have friends in every country. Yeah, pretty much.
1: It's I mean, it to have that expo. The problem with when you're young is that you have the capacity to learn everything, or you have the capacity to learn nothing. Yeah. So it's up to your parents to set the guideposts, right? They're gonna they're gonna keep them really wide and keep all of the cultures open in terms of food, in terms of drinks, in terms of language, or they're just going to keep it to DQ in a small Texas town, you know?
0: Totally, totally. Yeah. And it's funny because... No offense
1: to DQ, i <laughs> <no> DQ. <but. laughs>
0: it's funny because my extended family, um, my mom is very much so the, like, black sheep of the family. Uh, I come from a family of Mormons.
1: I was going to so say one and nine. I didn't want to assume. Yeah. One and nine a lot of... That's it's a lot, lot yeah. Uh, that's three times three. <laughs> the, uh, three is good, but three times three, nine... kids.
0: Yeah, and, you know, and, and my grandparents, they're not, like, they're not wealthy individuals. You know, everyone was sharing rooms and... Hand-me-downs. And uh, my family's very close. I love them all very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there, there is a disconnect sometimes there where not so much now, I think, as, as we've gotten older, things have changed. But, you know, I know a lot of my cousins and stuff haven't been exposed to oh, quite yeah. as much as I have. No,
1: I lived in Salt Lake for mo- many years. And it's not common yeah. that people be like, man. Well, the, the weird thing is, though, for all of the missions that they go on, That's a global pursuit. I mean, that's so many different cultures. It's actually surprising to me. So
0: that's where my family does kind of get a little bit more worldly on that side. You know, like they're definitely like in, most of them have never lived outside of Santa Rosa. Uh, If they have, they've lived in places like Salt Lake or other kind of big Mormon communities. But, um, you know, my cousins who have gone on missions and my uncles, they all went, a lot of really cool far places my cousin and i was in japan See, and that crazy brazil and it's
1: almost unexpected
0: yeah it's crazy and like my my cousin ashley she does a lot of like charity stuff and like she ended up marrying some guy from brazil so like they live in missouri i think now That's oh, um yeah it is crazy my grandpa he did his mission in mexico and my uncle was out in brazil and peru and so there is, there so is that deep level. Deep in your blood, yeah.
1: you, you're you connected to Pisco, you're connected to Mezcal, yeah. you're connected to Cachaca. <laughs> like if you think, I mean, I, I hate to use that lens of booze, but in a sense, like you're already somewhat genetically connected. Yeah, to no, it's place. cool.
0: I mean, I I definitely have access. Like yeah. I have really cool access to everywhere Yeah, and, and people who want to facilitate that because, you know, those are the kinds of people that my mom also attracts. You know, you take care of people, then they will take care of you back.
1: Absolutely. Well so the thing that's interesting then, is it this multiculturalism, this differential different kinds of aesthetic and art that kind of lead you to be interested in fashion?
0: Yeah, definitely. So that was actually my first love before I moved into the I bartending was, community yeah. is uh, I thought that I wanted to be a fashion editor. I had it all figured out I was going to move to New York and, you know, and I was definitely a little bit of like the the wild kid at school, like mm-hmm. wasn't afraid to kinda Punch have it. a little bit of style. You know, oh, okay. I grew okay. up in I grew up in the time, you know, where like Abercrombie and Fitch was really big and I went to a really rich high school. So yeah. like I went to, you know, growing up in Sonoma County. I have plenty of friends whose family own wineries and wow. have five thousand dollar a month allowances. And that was never Hi. something I had. Yeah. And um so I adopted to thrift stores you know and I would find really cool things to wear that were really unique but and that looked maybe really expensive or looked really cool and special, but were only five dollars yeah. or would go to a second you know secondhand store and pick up that 300 pair of jeans for fifty dollars yeah. instead and I had to find a, find a way to navigate that because you know being a teen, being a teenager is tough. <laughs> <laughs> and being a girl be, yeah. teenager oh, yeah. in a community where there's so much driven around what you have, mm. I had to figure out very quickly how to keep up, but within my own means.
1: Would you say aesthetically, or rather, who would you say aesthetically was kind of influencing the way that you thought about putting together wardrobes?
0: Um, you know, I read a lot of like fashion magazines. Mm. So I was kind of really just interested in what was was going on in the magazines and then Finding my own ways to reinterpret that because mm-hmm. again, you know, you're they're throwing at you a three hundred dollars shirt and that right. wasn't something I could get. Uh, so I would go to the vintage stores and see what I could find from there. My my style I don't know if I really have anyone it, it directly evolved from. I really loved like the Nicole Richie boho phase oh, that man. was a big thing yeah. for me. Um, <laughs> but my style's always like been more so about like characters so like some days like i might be dressed super super feminine and mm-hmm. like that's the look for that day but then other times i'm pretty punk rock or have a lot of like black and metal and things like that i i, I just kind of like what i like
1: yeah whatever the wind kind of brings in totally whatever strikes you in the moment yeah totally and so so you ultimately went to school for this yeah or at least you started to do i that. did
0: I, I went to school for a little bit for it uh school's always been a big challenge for me i'm not really that? someone with structured like mm. learning i actually ended up in high school going on a homeschooling path because it just it just wasn't the right environment for me
1: was it interesting to you or just boring or not keeping your no attention,
0: i or? i love learning but the way that i learn is either very hands-on or yeah. i need to know exactly why i'm learning something interesting and okay in a group environment that's there's not always time to stop and get all the whys right so i was a little bit of a troublemaker sometimes because i would challenge my teachers to not just say well this is what it is you know i would be like well why mm. why is this? give me
1: some context
0: <sighs> well like science science okay. classes all the time like i remember in like physics um i had this terrible teacher i'll never forget him i don't remember his name so i guess i will forget him um but <laughs> never forget <that> damn mustache. <laughs> never forget whatever his yeah, name is yeah. um and we were learning um just like simple like physics things and asking him like okay so i understand that you're telling me this i honestly don't really know if i have great examples it was just
1: but no but what's what's your question to him if he's like Alexis, this is the. These are one of the rules of thermodynamics. And then, what what's your way to approach him to say, okay, blank. Like, what is? Yeah, the, it would
0: just be like, but why? Why is that? Like, take me through why that is a thing. Like, why? How does that happen? You gotcha. know, and there's not always time for those more intricate learnings. You know. And
1: it's, does he think? I would imagine the teachers just think you're trying to subvert them in a sense, right? I
0: think so. You know, because I think then they see it as you like challenging their authority and right. certainly that was something i also did so that didn't help me because <laughs> i am always
1: it's like i'm getting a blurred <clears throat> message already yeah i know, so. I
0: know. I've, I've always been kind of I, I i have no problem challenging something you yeah. know of, of why why something is the way it is and
1: punk rock man little punk in the (laughs) butt
0: i had the angsty emo phase for sure
1: we all do right i still have the same bangs from when i was in my early 20s so (laughs) i'm just lucky enough in my late 30s to be able to have said bangs which is nice but i
0: just switched back i I had the blue hair in high school and then i went back and had blue hair for for about a most of last year and i'm now kind of going back into the neutral
1: phase but it comes out of me i'm sure ebb and flow man the colors the darkness the seasons yeah so how long were you doing proper i guess you could say the school piece
0: um not long like really like a semester um
1: was it where was it in santa rosa as well
0: um yeah i was at the i was at the junior college and then i was dabbling into fitum but it just wasn't really the right environment with again their private school and like trying to navigate getting scholarships and things like that um but i i got into costume design like really costume yeah so and Costume lingerie design, so really like niche field, right? Yeah, um, and it was. Well, because tell me what's the
1: perfect <clears throat> example of this. I'm not familiar with this field. Um, Mo- is it movies, TV?
0: No, I mean it's a lot more. So it, it, I mean, there's no real like longevity. It was just again something that I had fun doing. Yeah. Um, it was like when I was in my early like eighteen, nineteen, kind of like rave kid days, sure, and doing like go go dancing. So you outfit a lot forever. of like uh, <laughs> you outfit the like a lot of. A lot of go go dancers and performers, it's a lot of like uh those kind of performing arts. So you're putting together these beautiful pieces that are costumes but you know, scantily clad. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Interesting. So then it is there an interim move between Santa Rosa and Texas or is Austin the next really big Yeah, move? no, I right. mean I,
0: I spent a very brief amount of time in San Francisco. Um but it was
1: just to kind of let your wings out and kind of Yeah,
0: just to kind of to to try um but i i kept getting pulled back to santa rosa and it was from santa rosa that i really i just picked up i literally within three weeks of getting a call from a friend saying hey do you want to move to austin texas i had packed up my bags and was
1: out here well real quick what kept pulling you back to santa rosa family stuff
0: my family i think um
1: was it that they needed you
0: no not Not so much, but it was this this level of comfort, and I think that's why I had to make such a dramatic move. Was that it was easy to just continue to be with my family um, because I love my family so much, and they're all so close, and that was a that was a hard thing to give up. But that's why I had to kind of be so drastic about it. And I was just like, okay, I'm going, and if I don't go now, I'm not. I was worried I maybe would never do it.
1: Perfect analogy, and hopefully you've seen you've seen Harry and the Hendersons. No. Okay. Well, there's a scene, and it's certainly not a spoiler, but suffice it to say, he's got to make a hard decision to break the family up, because it's sometimes the only way you can get out of the nest and really evolve.
0: Yeah. No, 100%. And I just, you know, I was was comfortable, and I wasn't really doing anything I was passionate about anymore, at least not in a way that was growing me, and, you know, I'm getting, I'm 20 at the time, and going, okay, I said I would... Leave to New York when I was eighteen and then that never happened and then kind of played with the idea of San Francisco, but that wasn't really happening the way I wanted it to happen either. And it was just like I gotta go somewhere. Mm. And Austin was offered to me. I was I was also out on the road doing one of my mom's tours. So I was doing this au pair tour. Oh wow. Yeah, where I was doing a loop basically San Francisco to Yosemite to the Grand Canyon. Vegas, Lake Havasu, Southern California, and around. Nice loop. So I was in the Grand Canyon when I got the call from my friend saying, hey, I really need you to move out here.
1: Why did they need this, the support, the job? What, what exactly? Um, Some
0: personal. She was having a hard time out here. Yeah. Um,
1: Is she still here? She's way?
0: actually not. She's back in the Bay Area no, where okay. we were friends uh, originally. And um, our friendship actually pretty quickly dissolved once I got here. But Interesting. She, which is why she needed a friend. She had a hard time connecting with other people yeah. and her boyfriend, which she'd moved out here with, that wasn't really going very well. Mm-hmm. And she had a room that needed to be paid for. And I was like, yeah, I'm not really doing anything. I've never been to Austin and I was like, let's do it. I was, I was supposed to go to just kind of help her finish her lease, which was five months. It was going to be five months. I didn't actually take a lot with me yeah. when I moved out here. 2013, 14-ish? <clears throat> uh, 2000. 2013, yeah, like that, right? 2013. Um, and within three days, just loved the city. I called my mom and said, "Take everything out of storage, sell this, send this. Yeah. I'm not coming home." And that That's was really hard for her.
1: Of course, cool. well, of course. Yeah, but you, you like you said, you make it back.
0: I make it back. Yeah, yeah.
1: But you have to get out of the the home. You have to go and thrive on your own. Totally. You know, you, everybody does. Totally. It's hard, but you have to do that shit.
0: You have to, and um. I think because my mom had my mom's always been in Santa Rosa, California. Yeah. So she, while well, she's traveled a lot, but like by no means is she not like well traveled. Right, but she's always stayed in Santa Rosa.
1: There's something comfortable about that.
0: It's yeah, you know, there's it's a beautiful place. It's a hard place to leave. There's no real reason you don't. I'm not coming from this like tiny city where there's nothing happening or I don't mm-hmm. have access to things. It's a beautiful area to be from, yeah. which is why I think a lot of people don't leave
1: makes sense a lot of people don't leave austin it's hard to leave here to yeah see.
0: i would imagine it is you know um but i yeah i just i had to do it because i mean really who's to say where i would be right now if if i didn't do it and that's i'm a creature of comfort you know
1: well everything happens and i i swear to god i don't mean this in a trite where cliched way but things do happen for a reason oh absolutely you're in austin for a reason
0: absolutely you know? um and i and i fully believe that that's very much so how i i live my life is like things happen exactly how they're supposed to I do. good and bad sure and um
1: so what was your first exposure to hospitality in austin
0: so she was bartending at this bar my friend yeah. at the time uh on sixth street and just
1: like a kind of
0: it's this bar it's called latitude they do two dollar Jager bombs yeah, yeah, yeah. all day every day but during southwest <laughs>
1: southwest they have great british artists Yeah, come they're the british
0: embassy during south love yeah that. <laughs> But every other day of the week and year, it's just, just a bunch of Jaeger <laughs> and Red Bull. Um, so, yeah, I I actually, so I was in the spa industry before moving out here. And I had secured a job this, with uh, this tanning salon, so yeah. kind of still staying on, on that I've always been in hospitality in some regard. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, Um, in in a sense, I don't mean necessarily that, but the bar industry, there's got to be that transition.
0: Yeah, so I quickly moved out here and was supposed to be working for this tanning salon, kind of came into it within a couple days, realized that I didn't really like the lady I was working for and Mm. just said... All right, I'm just going to quit. You know, might as well. I came to this new city, and Larissa was coming home from working like bartending shifts with like three, $400 in her pocket, you know, and going, Seven Well, I can money. get you some yeah. hours, you know, and this uh, sports bar that I she was working at also, she's like, I can get you some hours serving. And she's like, You'll start walking with money, you know, immediately. And yeah. so it was very quick. I picked up a job at Latitude as a shot girl, <laughs> 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 you know, because I was still 20 at the time. Sure. And, um, you know, so I'm like, convincing people to buy like $6 just trash, like yeah. purple geckos and the more colorful, and, the yeah, more you know, uh, <laughs> and it was like this exciting world, right? You know, yeah. I'd never, I'd always been like a nine-to-fiver, you know, and I li- existed in these calm environments like spas and tanning salons where it was about like catering to very wealthy people and, and giving them what they wanted. And like, mm. it was a whole new world like and it was you liked it though i loved it i was like hooked and i i was like how do i get behind the bar you know every single time i was just like always trying to get behind the bar
1: was there a moment where you started thinking from a creative perspective so i see i always try to build these kind of parallels right so you think about outfits outfits are a mixture of color that have to coordinate it's a mixture of textures lengths different fabric all these different things yeah but it's a visual visual medium you know but Once you start applying that same texture to your palette and to taste, then I could see maybe that same kind of compositional attitude, yeah, wanting to go into making drink. yeah no
0: totally um i I'm a very creative person. I always have to have some extension of creativity, which is why when I was you know doing the spa thing, I was doing costume design on the side you know yeah. like that's always been prominent for me um and I loved watching people just throw together these flavors and make what at the time my palate thought was like good enough you know like vegas bombs were blowing right. my mind and like
1: you know and, all changes. but just, it was fun you know because yeah. i've always
0: loved cooking and um, kind of going back to my mom and having so many people in and out of the houses like our house was a party house yeah. like you know because my mom she was still young growing up while i was growing right, up 18, you know so, so yeah you know in 20s and like i remember being like 13 and I would take all the shitty ingredients and start making people cocktails Mm -hmm. you know and so I had always like wanted to get into bartending but just didn't really know the world or how you go about doing that Mm -hmm. so when I was given that opportunity I I had already loved it I love I love flavors
1: so you and you kind of know how to work with them when it's like a musician seeing a band and they then say I know why I'm gonna write music for you when you think about good cocktails, good spirits. Was there a moment in which you tasted something you're like, "Okay, now this actually may be a serious thing." Yeah,
0: so, you know, I didn't know anything about cocktails when I first started yeah. into the bar industry. You know, I thought everything, like I said, all those like drop shots were like cool enough, right? Mm-hmm. You know. And um I started dating this guy who uh I worked with at that bar. He was a bartender there and mm-hmm. he was kind of just beginning to learn about cocktails and so when we started dating he quickly like introduced me to that and i like fell in love with it you know like i was like super like getting my hands on everything i could um that was about right around the time the hey bartender uh documentary had come out you know and so we like had watched that and we were like wow this is so cool and we quickly discovered firehouse right so firehouse and we'd go and try some cocktails and Remember Carolyn Gill, who's one of my dearest friends now, like
1: And she's in the UK right
0: now? She's in New she's, York right now. Oh she's in she, New York. Yeah, okay. so she was in the UK. She's back for a couple of months and planning her next departure out. Her amazing her visa had uh, let go. But I remember that when I first started going there, I was a bug her. bugger. I'd ask her all these questions and she didn't know me and so she'd be kinda like a little bit irritated. Right. You know, be like what why do you want to know what you know creme de cassis is like why do you really want to want to know that and uh it's funny because i've told her these stories too because now we're like such great friends Mm -hmm. and but i was like she's a badass like i want to be doing that how do i get to do that um and kind of was still not working anywhere where that was like a thing you know or that they were working with those ingredients uh ended up uh Punchable social, very briefly, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and they were kind of doing what I call like kitschy craft, where like they're trying to introduce people, but in yeah, like
1: big money domain, you know. Yeah, that's but honestly, you know, but they're
0: they're they're offering at least like I never worked with Fresh Juices, yeah. you know, and at least it was a start. Um, but it was very much so like this hobby and passion that me and my ex boyfriend had shared, mm. and um, I think I. I think I fell in love with it a little harder than he he did. Um, but because he had three years already as a bartender and experience, people were picking him up yeah. quicker, right? So then it was like an extension of me being like, hey, I found this really cool cocktail. You should show him this one, you know, and, and kind of... He was my avenue of kind of continuing. Because yeah. I still didn't have a ton of bartending experience. It was like at sports bars and shop bars. And, you know, I had applied to like a couple places like being really open and honest and like I just want to learn and the city just still wasn't at a point where it needed those people it was just enough where the like passionate people already existed so there was much better qualified um, people to take those jobs it was really this crazy accident of how I got into cocktails I the Roosevelt room for me I was actually applying for the Madison
1: oh yeah okay
0: so I they had put a call out on Craigslist that they needed like high volume event bartenders, and mm. I was like, yeah, okay. And I had known someone who had picked up a couple shifts there before and had remembered the name, and she had said she'd made good money, so I emailed and was like, yeah, I'd love an interview. And um, really quickly in that interview, Justin and I just started talking about cocktails, yeah. and you know, he's like. Uber obsessed. He's right? cerebral, yeah. You know, yeah. And, and you know, then he starts. He's like, well, "What are your favorite books?" And this, and like, I'm getting all like tongue tied. He's like, "What are your favorite cocktails?" And what I thought, like, I knew like a decent amount about. Mm-hmm. I realized very quickly I knew absolutely nothing. But hospitality is where we really connected. I was uh, going to school at the time for my hospitality degree, so yeah. I always kind of gone back to school and then quickly dropped off of it again. But we we talked about like how much hospitality was important to us. And mm-hmm. I think that's where we really connected. And he gave me this unique opportunity and took me next door into a space that was like still being built. Yeah, was like, yeah. You know, and I sit, I remember sitting there for like 30 minutes. He had like gone to the back. Marsh had been there to bring them some kind of award that they had won. Yeah. And I'm like sitting in this hot room and like looking and just never being in a bar like that of that magnitude either. Yeah. And being told all these like big plans for it, and I'm thinking like, oh God, maybe like he like hates me because he's not coming back. Am I? Where's the exit? Where do I go? Yeah. Um, and he came back, and he was like, "I want to teach you.
1: Let's do this." You know, he saw
0: that it was something I really wanted, and no one was willing to give me that opportunity before. Mm. And you know, I told him I was like, I don't know very much, but I want to know. I want to know all of it.
1: And. I think that maybe this, what will be an illustrious career in the cocktail industry was forged in a way. Uh, Absolutely. But there is a question. So when you mentioned kind of moving into this role, this period with the Roosevelt Room, you said it was a very dark and kind of hard period for you. Yeah. was Was it because of the boyfriend thing? Was it because of family stuff? So,
0: so a lot of it it relates back to my ex boyfriend. Uh, We were going through this really difficult breakup. He really never was that great of a guy, but you know, you're young and you put up with things that you probably shouldn't. Um, But I, I had these these personal traumatic things happening for me uh, that were probably the most traumatic points of my life. And those trying to navigate those while breaking up with someone and it's too much. It was. it was so much like it was really dark and um my family has a a history of depression you know and i myself have a history of depression Mm -hmm. and was going through a really dark point and feeling pretty miserable and just kind of doing everything to avoid dealing with any of it
1: yeah well that's i i understand
0: you know um And I think too, a little bit of like where my initial like then reach for cocktails was this weird kind of wanting to hold on to this relationship that was dissolving Mm. and something that we both cared about and wanting to just like kind of kick his ass a little bit. You Mm. know, I wanted the opportunity to to get into the world and and be a better bartender than
1: him. Yeah, kind of. Well, i saw a social network i know why guys do stuff i know what girls do stuff. you know <laughs> it's always because of someone right like you, you know. start this business well, you do this because
0: you know you're not really supposed to say like you know uh partially vindictive right like part of it that's but like right. i want to be a better i want to be better than him
1: doing things out of spite is it's just a little bit natural. Out of spite.
0: Yeah, it's a little bit out of spite <laughs> and you know what i i i think i'm i'm doing pretty good
1: right I now. i think so, so too it seemed like the right decision well this most recent opportunity, and I know Tacey came back into town. and I know Tacey was looking around and doing these things. And then, turns out, she starts manning. Well, I don't know if it's the right word. But she starts being at the helm of one of the finest cocktail establishments in Austin. Yeah. Midnight Cowboy. Yes. So, you recently accepted a position as assistant GM. Is that right? Yes. You, you and Tacey are going to run what was...
0: A male bar A man cave. A man cave. Yeah. It was a boys bar. And this is
1: it, a, this is so exciting to me.
0: No, it's so exciting. It is exciting. And, you know, there's never at any point been more than one female on staff. That's there right. Jen all.
1: was there. Yeah. The Jack- that was like it. Were, but it was
0: always only one. That's you know, right. Because yeah. it was a boys club and it was very much so treated that way. And I don't myself know... St- as closely that like history that's definitely more the older generation compared to me being the old people in other
1: words (laughs) (laughs) but that's
0: more you know me and tacy we've talked about this too like that was her generation those are her friends you know that they were bartending or she was their boss at one point at drink well and things like that um so she certainly understands the history of that place a little bit better um but we're very excited because one a female's never been in charge there. Never. And now you've got two females in charge.
1: That's amazing. Who's the who's the third? Oh, you're saying just two, just me. Just, yeah, yeah, just I mean, me and Stacy and I. Yeah.
0: yeah. Because she's she, it's been great. We we never actually so we both worked at the Roosevelt Room, but she came in right. on my departure. Yeah. So we'd never actually worked together. We had shared a few moments like in the hallway when she was kind of like in town before Bombay Sapphire mm. and things like that. And we knew of each other and we'd kind of developed a friendship afterwards you know you're in this community and we were being invited to the similar events and stuff
1: and right.
0: you know but but it was never super close right um we're finding we work so well together that's amazing no it's amazing like it's our strengths and weaknesses are so well matched for each other
1: what's the main if you said we've got one job to do now what is that job at midnight cowboy because you know as an aside the original crew that opened up, there was something really special about that. Yeah. And regrettably it deteriorated and I've been yeah, outspoken about that. Because I love good standards, right? You could do so much great well, work. Well, it was
0: forgotten that. about for a while, you know, yeah. and it kind of started to unravel is my understanding. I, I didn't really get to experience it firsthand, yeah. but from what I know, um, I think our biggest goal is to, to breathe some fresh life into it, Yeah, you know, because...
1: So, order it, maybe?
0: Order, for sure. Yeah. Um, but just also a level of caring you know i think that it was neglected for a little while from all so. parties yeah. you know and um working with bill he's really allowing us to turn this into a passion project and give it a whole new life you know and kind of a little midnight cowboy 2.0 yeah if you will i think
1: that's a brilliant way to look at it
0: um and but while still respecting the history because in in a, such a historic place, how do you not do that, you know, mm-hmm. and how do you not take some of those nods and and still, you still have to appreciate them, you know, by no means are we trying to come in and disrespect this space or not give it, you know, the honor it deserves of being one of, you know, the long-standing kind of cocktail giants of, of Texas and Austin especially, Absolutely. and uh, it's been lucky that it really has existed on its own The people continue to come in because mm. most bars wouldn't have had that luxury. Like most bars, if things had really started to deteriorate, deteriorate the yeah. way that it was, they'd be, done. They'd be, they'd done. be shuttered. They'd yeah. be shuttered. Um, so you're excited. We're so excited.
1: What would you say? So I imagine a new menu in the works. New, new menu. Structure.
0: Huge new menu. When is
1: all that stuff going live? So I know when. Yeah, we're. And,
0: well, you'll be invited for oh, sure. Thank uh.
1: you <laughs> <laughs> the
0: invite will come. Um, we are ambitiously shooting for an August 1st. Amazing! Big change round. There's some big changes. So, um, and, and we've gotten either really great feedback or a little kind of like, how can you do that? Yeah. But uh, we're getting rid of one of the cards. Okay. Yeah, which is huge. But you that's know? okay, though. Yeah.
1: Maybe it didn't need... Sometimes you only know by reduction if it was too much to begin yeah. with. Yeah,
0: and, and we're keeping one. So it's like, we're not, like I said, we're not trying to just completely change everything, but yeah. there's ways to look at it and go... Obviously things some things aren't working. How do we redo that? We're putting in bar stools? Oh, the bar's never wow. had bar stools. That's so, crazy. Yeah, but just four. a beautiful bar. Yeah. It'll just have four, um, but that'll be really special. That is cool. It's really cool. Um, and then we're putting a patio bar in
1: the back. Wow. Yeah, it's a beautiful patio. It there. is a
0: beautiful patio and like It's never been utilized. Mm -mm. It's never been utilized, other than you know, making smoking some cigarettes. Smoking cigarettes. That
1: was it. Yeah.
0: Uh. So yeah we we've been approved to put a patio bar out. That's actually going to start being the ground will break in a couple of weeks on that, and uh, the inside will change a little bit because we're taking away one of the carts. We're restructuring to have two bartenders behind that bar. Yeah. Big enough space, but the way it's set up, it's never had a dishwasher. We're getting a dishwasher. So really. Staff's really excited about that. That is so great. Uh, yeah, and it's been great because we're they're really trusting us and investing in us. Yeah. to to bring our vision for the place.
1: It's, it's a apply. hell of a place to start. Yeah, interim president of the USBG <laughs> Austin chapter, assistant GM at Midnight Cowboy, a juggernaut of cocktail culture in Austin, as you mentioned. Yes. So this is all wonderful stuff. And before we kind of depart, I've got two more questions. Okay. So one that I love asking people because I don't know how you'll respond to this. I um, know it's not a psychological evaluation, even though maybe subtly <laughs> this whole thing has kind of been that way, right? But let's say you're at your favorite bar in all, all the world, right? And you're drinking whatever fancies you. And you can have a conversation at that bar with anybody living or deceased who might like who might you like to sit there and have a conversation with
0: oh wow i should have thought about this one more um you know had like answers prepared uh, (laughs) who would um,
1: there's so many interesting people in the world there's so many
0: interesting interesting people in the world and i really have a love for history which is why i love getting geeky with cocktails so it's like really hard um You know, honestly, I, I think, especially right now, and I'll say that this is why, um, I've been exploring a lot of my my heritage on my dad's side of the family, my, my Hispanic heritage, yeah. due to one of the challenges at world-class being uh, Viva Mexico, and it's inspired by the Mexican culture. Mm-hmm. And my grandfather passed away when I was 15, mm-hmm. and my relationship with my dad's side of the family has always been very estranged, yeah. um, kind of in pieces. Um, but never really got to know him very well, and I've been learning so much about him and, and knew kind of what what he did for the Hispanic community in California. He was actually one of the big um, pushers for school board rights for allowing Hispanic Americans wow. to be in the school board systems. And yeah. um, so I think I'd like to sit and have a drink with him. You know, That's I, amazing. I I really would. I would like. He has so much wisdom. He was like. He's the kind of guy who literally wore the same outfit every single day and mm-hmm. drove this really shitty car and ended up like just saving all his pennies and leaving my dad and my uncle a fair amount of money huh. and but was so humble and just so much wisdom. I would just love to like get some of that wisdom from him because yeah. I've never been able to really firsthand experience it. Um,
1: that's a, it's a that's a lovely answer. Yeah. There's I lots. Of, yeah, I think that's really really touching. I, you know. I think I would
0: though because I think that. I would like to just to get to experience him as an adult too.
1: Yeah, because it's different at twenty four than it. Is it's at so different 15. than at fifteen. Yeah.
0: You know. So yeah, I'd say my grandpa.
1: Well, to that point, then the last question I'll ask you: You're in a position that is enviable. You're in a position that has some influence. You are a strong woman. In fact, many of the board of the USBG Austin chapter are now women, which I think is a all women. Great- yeah incredible yeah. right? jessica's on there as well right and then, uh yeah and then uh rebecca yeah so yep.
0: rebecca treasure stuff is our oh, vp Steph is right, yeah. we're all female office incredible yeah
1: for you as a woman leading and influencing this industry what's the most important message that you may have for other women in this industry
0: um empower each other certainly Mm. i mean that's that's huge for me and i think that our community does a great job of about it yeah um just be be there for each other you know the world as a female is hard enough already Mm. don't make it harder on each other yeah um and the little fights are really not worth it you know they're little for a reason right? yeah and God forbid, any fight ever over a boy is the dumbest thing in the entire world. We're
1: dumb. World. We're not really worth it. You, you,
0: you, you guys are mostly dumb.
1: They're pretty much.
0: <laughs> but, uh, Sorry, no, yeah. guys, but that's kind of how it goes. <laughs> but great, too. Not everyone's. I'm not a man hater by any means. I, don't I am sometimes. Right. Sons okay. of bitches.
1: Yeah, we're, we're really despicable <laughs> people at times. But anyway.
0: Um, but yeah, just, you know, always and be striving to kind of step into those roles because I think we're in a male dominated industry that's quickly changing. You see these female power players coming coming out of the works and people that I really look up to, you know, like the Ivies and Lynettes and the Pams yeah. and Misty and all these like women who are doing these like great things in our community. But don't be afraid to challenge the boys to say like accept you into the boys club a little bit and say, "No, here I am." Um, because we are. We're here and and females are very Quickly. it's not slow anymore we're very quickly taking every every leap we can get
1: yeah I think it's brilliant it's a great time to be in Austin it's a great time to visit this reapproach this kind of amazing 2.0 version of Midnight Cowboy that is so exciting to me
0: it, it's it, we have a lot of ambitious things and it's kind of crazy because I'm navigating now taking over you know president of USBG and then I've got world class I leave on Sunday for the finals and you know this is This huge competition that just takes everything out of you. And then crazily, I'm building this program, and then I'm crazy dating someone who lives in San Antonio. So, like, trying to manage all my time and all these different avenues and give them all the space and time they deserve.
1: Yeah. Well, you have to break everything down to rebuild it even stronger. Yeah. That's, That's the way it works, right?
0: Yes. So,
1: but it's been a pleasure. Finally, after all, I guess years now that we've known each other, yeah. we haven't actually sat down and chatted. It's been a great experience for me, and I thank you so much for joining me. No, thank you. I'll have to talk soon, yeah? Yes. All right, thank you, Alexis. Thank you, thank you. Well, there we have it. What do you guys think of Miss Alexis Mijares, the USBG Austin president? She's done so much in such a little time here in Austin. I can't wait to see what she does next. You know, she crafted the official drink of Austin for Frank, and then she's down there at Midnight Cowboy now, doing great things, continuing to expand her horizons and make a wonderful name for herself as a cocktail expert and innovator. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter how many more Bacardi people you meet this week or if you're thinking Tiki Week can't be long enough, people, please keep thinking.